And I think that when we can pull back, then we shift our position into one where we're more in a managerial role than we are in just worker bee. There's always work for moms to do, but when we can shift into that role and see ourselves as managing an organization, which is the family, then we recognize that managers have a different perspective. They have a broader view and they have a goal in mind. And then they start to make their decisions from that place versus the urgency place. Hey, mamas, welcome back. You are listening to the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant. Today, you'll be hearing the rest of my conversation with Susan C. She is just the most down-to-earth, loving, nurturing homeschool mama that I've met. And our conversation today is all about how to stay intentional with our life, our family life at home, whether you're homeschooling or not, just keeping the house together. You're going to learn a lot from this woman. She has got seven children and she's been homeschooling for 20 plus years. My prayer is that you take something away from this conversation that you can actually let go of at home. Because when we're intentional about keeping things simple, we tend to learn about all the things that we don't need in our life or the things that we just don't need to worry about anymore. So take some of Susan's advice home with you today. Before I go into her interview, I just want to remind you that we have our brand new Patreon account open and ready for you to be a part of what we do here at Practical Family. If you've been listening to this podcast and love the resources we offer at Practical Family, you now have a chance to be a part of it through giving. Just go to patreon.com backslash practical family and you can choose to be a part of our community at any level you wish. Again, that's patreon.com backslash practical family. And as always, you can find great resources and tools at practicalfamily.org. All right, let's get into this interview. Susan C., author of the book, The Intentional Parent, and our special guest here on the Practical Family Podcast. Wonderful. I'm so glad to be here. It's so good to meet you. <laughs> yes, we're, I'm happy to have you. Um, you are one of the highly recommended um, mentor mamas out there um, online. Yeah, I know you've got your own podcast and everything going on, and you you speak to a lot of different moms groups, and, and it's just a privilege to have you here with us. Thank you. Yes, I love it. And the fact that you're in Hawaii, which is where <laughs> my hubby and I were supposed to be this year, but those plans had to get canceled. We're looking forward to coming at some point. <laughs> Please. I, I hope that you got that refundable ticket or something. We were about to purchase tickets. So that was like one grace in there. But we had been scoping out where do we want to go and what do we want to see? So, yeah, we had been making lots of plans. And then it just kind of went to we'll see when. <laughs> I know. We're same here. Even though we live in, on Tropical Island, we want to go places, too. So we're finally trying to get off, get off the rock for a little bit and see when things open. But I don't know. We'll see. And how's life uh, with you? Give us a little bit about your your family. I know you have seven children. Seven. What are their ages? What are they What do they got going on in their life right now? Yeah, actually, today is one of my kiddos' birthdays, so it's been a mix of all kinds of parts of life today. But um, yes, my my girl is turning fifteen, so we have. One boy, six girls, and I seven. And my son is the oldest. Most people want to know if you got one boy, like where is he? He's the oldest. 
<laughs> he is 24 and my youngest is 10. She'll be 11 in just a couple of months. Oh, your youngest is 11. Wow. Yeah. I've got a 10 and 11 year old. They're kind of growing up together. So, so you're in the teenager. You have mostly teenagers going on right now. I do. I At home, I have my, uh, well, that I'm homeschooling. I have my 17, now 15, about to turn 13, and then about to turn 11. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, and, and you've been homeschooling all of that time, most of yeah, the time? All that time. Yes. Oh, goodness. We just started year 20. So we've been going for a while. This is year 20 for us. Year 20. Okay. You were the, you were the mom to talk to. I've got some <laughs> questions of my own. Question number one, how do you do it? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, as I was thinking about how different this year is, I mean, we've all had to navigate something different for this year. And I know that a lot of the, I don't know what you would call it, maybe the, the veteran homeschoolers are wanting to make sure that it's known that no, we, we homeschool the the old way or the traditional way or whatever, you know, we, we weren't forced into it, mm -hmm. but a huge heart for every parent that whether they feel forced or whether it was an open opportunity to finally be home with their kids, mm -hmm. this feels different for everybody. Mm -hmm. you know? No matter where we're starting, what routines would you say are the most important ones to keep us grounded as parents, no matter where we've come at this homeschool thing from? Yeah. Well, I think this year in 2020, as we're having this conversation, um, it's it's a year for, I think, an opportunity is what I'll call it. It's an opportunity for us to really take hold and really take an account of the load that's on moms. Mm. We, I would say the mom load on a regular basis is already heavy. There's a lot of concerns, a lot of things we're trying to manage and juggle. But 2020 has a way of just adding a lot of extra weight to all of the load that we were already carrying. And education just happens to be one of those. So no matter whether a mom is homeschooling or doing some type of hybrid or doing virtual or ha already has her kids back in school, mm -hmm. that doesn't change the fact that the load on all of us is incredible. And my hope is that amidst all of the noise right now, that what I'm talking about, uh, what I'm posting, what I'm sharing, the conversations I get to have with moms one-on-one -on -one, is to acknowledge that load and to give moms that permission to feel what they feel. Some women feel released to in their creativity and they're launching businesses and they're stepping into new opportunities and they're maybe reconnecting with their family because the family used to be really busy and now they're really more isolated and, in, and insulated with themselves. Mm -hmm. But then there are other women who are feeling like, okay, I'm trying to hold down the job and now I'm trying to do the school and then I'm trying to keep everybody healthy and I'm trying to keep everybody fed and I'm trying to keep myself out of the fridge. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's like I'm just trying, I'm just trying. And I just think we all need permission to feel what we feel from moment to moment. You know, there are days for all of us where we're going to feel great. And there are going to be days for all of us where we feel like, what even are we doing? Like, I don't even know what we're doing. So as far as routines, I think that there's some simple things to always keep in mind. It's easy to all to want to solve the problems. What is the problem of the day? Let's solve it. And I think that's a very reactive way for us to approach anything. Mm 
So I would in, encourage everybody to step back away from that moment-by-moment um, -moment problem solving. Like we're playing whack-a-mole with fires, right? We're just trying to put it, just put this fire out and put this fire out. Whew, got through this day. Next day we wake up and we're whack-a-moling again, right? Mm -hmm. But instead that we come to it from a place of, of a vision and a goal. So here's, we all get the circumstances we're dealing with. Within these circumstances, what does our best look like? What does being intentional look like for our family? What is it that matters the most to us right now? And really lean into that more than just whatever challenge pops up in front of our face, we're trying to just deal with that. It's a very exhausting way of trying to approach our day. It's a very uh, reactive way that really keeps us in a place of on alert at all times because we never know where the next whack-a-mole will pop up, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that when we can pull back, then we shift our position into one where we're more in a managerial role than we are in just worker bee. There's mm -hmm. always work for moms to do, but when we can shift into that role and see ourselves as managing an organization, which is the family, then we recognize that managers have a different perspective. They have a broader view and they have a goal in mind. And then they start to make their decisions from that place versus the urgency place. You know, yeah, I, I, I have thought and, and expressed before that, no, we need to be acting as managers of our home. And every time I, I feel like I see myself in that place, um, and I and I feel like okay, no, I have it together, or I I'm kind of overseeing versus what you, what you're saying, like putting out fires. Mm -hmm. But then I feel like I fall into the fires again mm -hmm. because I've I've let go of the oversight, either because it felt like it was piling up and it was too much. So mm -hmm. what like what do you do when you feel like this sense of overwhelm, like there are too many things to manage right now? How did that even just happen to me? Oh, yeah. How does that happen? <laughs> well, life and kids and, you know, in a mom's life, what is ever done, right? You cook the meal, people eat, they're hungry again in like five <laughs> minutes. Um, you clean the kitchen, you come back, kitchen's clean, dirty again. You do laundry, there's laundry. Like it's never done. So there's constantly that work and then it piles up if you don't address it. So yeah, there's an easy way to fall back into that. I think one of the things, it depends on the age of your kids. If your kids are little, there's just a lot of work to do. Like there's, there's just not a lot of help. They're a lot of help at creating messes, but they're not the best help in helping to fix that mess. But the quicker you can begin to bring them in on helping to fix what they messed up, the more they start to feel like they are part of a team, the more they um, understand that they don't, um, they're not just occupying space. They're a part of a family. And as this family, we work together. We mess it up. We fix it together. We come together. We cook a meal. We eat the meal together. Like there's ways in which we can introduce uh, our kids to being a part of what's happening in our household instead of occupying space. And one day they'll be helpful. They can be helpful on small levels and then they get to increase that over time. I see. I see. Okay. So bringing in our kids. So 
being more intentional about not putting out all the fires has a lot to do with being a manager of our home and managing our kids and encouraging them to be a part of what's happening as opposed to mom just saying, Oh, here's something else I have to do again for me to clean up Mm -hmm. versus like, what could that look like otherwise? Instead of saying, Oh, now I have to handle one more thing. Mm -hmm. Instead you would say to yourself, what? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you could look for, is there someone else who could also do that? Mm -hmm. So instead of, everything that's on the list saying my name is like if you had a list of to do's and you kept putting your name beside each item to start to say what can this one do what can this child do what are they capable of doing or maybe you have a project that has different pieces in it and so clean up the kitchen or before bed is one thing but there's taking out the trash there's wiping the counters there's gathering all the dishes there's pieces that they can do that help And then over time, you increase their responsibility. So now you don't just grab all the silverware and put it beside the sink. Now you wash all of the forks and all the spoons. That's you. And you learn how to rinse them and put them over there. Then I'll step in. I'll do the dishes and the glasses. But you took care of the silverware. Before you know it, you can say, you can do the silverware. You can do the forks, the spoons, and the plates. I'll do the glasses. And then before you know it, you go, you know what? You're doing great. Let's have you try a glass. And then they have learned how to wash the dishes in steps and stages. It's the same way I teach my kids how to cook. I have them start out where they get to measure out the rice or they get to help me grab the pasta or they go through the pantry and and they grab items. I'm like, I need a tomato sauce. Can you bring that over? I need you to grab the the box of um, pasta. Would you bring that over? And they learn what those things are and they're happy to just, you know, go get them. Well, before long, I'm like, well, why don't you pour the rice in the pot? Okay, why don't you try pouring the pasta in the pot? Okay, why don't you help me stir it? And then before long, I'm like, you're learning how to make rice. And now anytime I need rice made, I'm like, well, how much rice do we need? And they feel very much a part of that. And it never felt like me saying, all right, kids, you're on the list and you get to cook dinner. And they just kind of go, where do I start? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to do this. But I had them start out cooking rice. And then Okay, you're really good at cooking rice. Let's have you also cook the green beans. Now you know how to make rice and green beans. All I'm cooking is the chicken that goes with that. And then one day I'll teach you how to cook the chicken. And before I know it, you know how to make one meal. I go, great. Anytime we make that meal, you can make that. And they usually feel very much like, yeah, I can make that. And I'm like, yes, you can. But what they don't see is this manager is backing out now I can go that's one less day I'm cooking and if I'm cooking one less day then that frees me up to do what and then I get to see what other needs are in the family that I can give my attention to because I've equipped them with a life skill that they can cook that meal and their life skill is then an enhancement to our family and our whole family benefits Mm, I love that. So that that narrative that we can start to even just tell ourselves as mothers to get us to a place where we're slowly delegating over time and we're praising them and we're telling them, look, you're part of this family. Look at everything you can do now. Mm. That goes such a long way in just affirming what they just did to help the family. Mm. And then to tell them, look, you're a part of this and this is what we can do together. Yeah, I think that... Um, a lot of what I share is either um, 
things that I've learned through the School of Hard Knocks or things that I have learned from the mentors in my life and the women that I trust. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I just feel like moms, we just really don't have time for a lot of theory, right? In mm-hmm. theory, this would be great. And I'm like, I, I don't have I don't have the energy to try out theories. I really need things that are gonna work. And one of the things that I had to do when our number seven was born, I was very much in the keeping all the balls in in air, right? Keeping them all, juggling them all and trying to make it all work. So I was trying to do the homeschooling and discipling the kids and keeping everybody on the straight and narrow and keeping everybody bathed and and clothed and fed and, and all the things. And I just reached this point with baby number seven where I hit a wall. I just didn't have the energy. I was like frustrated and irritated. I, the phrase that I used with my husband, as I said, I started to feel like I was a, a single parent in a married relationship because I was caring for all the needs of the home, all the needs of the kids. And yes, he was there and providing financially and he, we, we love each other and we're in a great marriage, but he got really deep into his career and really deep into his work. So he was working and doing all the things and I was at home trying to keep everything else juggling and going. And one of the things that that we we talk about it, he and I had a whole conversation about it over on my podcast for anybody who wants to hear how we really worked all the way through. But the point that I wanted to make here is one of the things that I had to learn to do and give myself permission to do was to start dropping balls. I felt like if I was going to be a good mom, I had to keep everything going. I had to keep everybody up. I had to stay upbeat. I had to always have tried my best to have a good day and try to help them to have a good day too. And I had to learn that my expectations of myself, of what I was gonna be able to do every single day, I had to lower that standard. And some of the things that I felt like were would be failures if I did, like one of them was leaving dirty dishes in the sink and going to bed. Like I was like, I can't do that. Like you got to have the kitchen clean before you go to bed or having the laundry that I have done throughout the day. That's all piled up on the sofa, like at least having it folded. So maybe in the morning, then it's just take your pile to your room and put it in your drawer. But I started leaving laundry on sofa. I started leaving dishes in the sink. I started just letting balls drop and just saying, that's enough for today. Good night. Like just let it go. Go to bed, get some rest. I'll probably have a better perspective and attitude if I get some rest anyway. And what happened is I started to notice like my hubby picking up a broom and I started noticing my kids saying something like, I wanted to get something to drink and there's not a clean cup. And I would go, oh, isn't that something? What do you think we should do? They go, I'll wash it. And I'm like, what? Like, or were thirsty enough that they were like, I'll wash the cup. <laughs> this eye-opening for me that I kept in keeping all of the balls juggling, I never really allowed the family to truly see the needs because I always saw them before they did. Right. And in my mind, because I saw them, of course you guys could see them. But no, they never saw them because I saw it and was like, ah, I need to get that. I need to handle that. That needs to be done. But when I started dropping balls and I started giving myself permission to just go to bed and things weren't done, then my family got to a place where they were like, they really needed some underwear or they really needed their favorite pair of pants. 
And well, gosh darn it, somebody needs to do laundry. <laughs> I was like, thing, yeah. <laughs> laundry. So maybe some mamas who watch this need to drop some balls. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So every time you say that phrase, like I like, like dropping the ball, I I totally agree. And then the other side of me is like cringing because I think I I have. And, and I know a lot of moms here have felt the same way too, because a lot of you have expressed having this like, um, you're being in this recovering perfectionist state or this this concept that if I drop the ball, that means that I'm not as good of a mother as I was trying to be or comparing to somebody else or whatever. Mm-hmm. What is that? How do we start to get rid of that little voice inside that says, I don't need to do it all. Mm-hmm. I just need to manage and sort of train my kids how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it comes with, uh, I hope it doesn't come with like a health crisis or a mental crisis, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, a lot of women, that's the wall they hit when they finally go, okay, I physically cannot do this. Mm-hmm. I no longer can handle this. And my hope is that when I share my story that I hit the wall, and I hit that wall probably running at full speed. It was just not cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that I can save some other moms to go, don't do that one. So here's the thing. Start dropping balls early. Like start mm-hmm. not taking everything on as a badge or a um, an expression mm-hmm. of your worth as a mom. That you are worthy as a mom. And that is already an established fact. There's nothing that you do to earn that. There's nothing that you can do to perform at a level that suddenly you earn a title of good mom. Mm-hmm. And that you love your kids and you're doing the best you can, let that be enough. If there's laundry left, if there's dirty dishes, if there's dust all around, that is not any type of measurement of your worth and value to your family. Sing it, sing it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop and, and write that in the comments. I was like, stop wearing your jobs like a badge. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's so true. The more that we feel like we accomplish or that we have to accomplish, you know, how many things in the house really need to get done? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what we talk a lot about at Practical Family is, is to kind of keep an eye on our stuff also, because the more stuff we have, the more oh, stuff yes. we have to maintain. Right? Oh, yes. So have you found that too, Susan? Like, have you, have you slowly gotten rid of things over time or have you, you know, that plus delegating, how have you dealt with like making sure all of it's taken care of? Is it, is it, is it less stuff or is it just more management or is it both? Yeah, I would definitely say it's both. And it's both in, in different seasons, right? Mm-hmm. At one point, I was overwhelmed. I had a lot of little ones. And I was trying to figure out how to just keep everybody's clothes straight so that, you know, one is not putting on little sister's clothes. And I'm like, that doesn't even fit. Like, why do you even have that on? Like, clearly, you don't fit that. But you are squeezing yourself in there. And you say, but it was in my drawer. And I just had thought, how do I manage just clothes? And I took, my kids still laugh about this, but I took everybody down to seven outfits. I said, there's seven days in a week. We have seven outfits. And that's it. <laughs> I do not recommend this. I know that you, you lit up with that, but I don't recommend it. Because what it means 
is that somebody is forever saying whatever they needed is in the laundry and you're like how could that be possible you've only got seven things <laughs> at the rate that kids grow those yeah. seven things don't last long and then you're like back to the store and i just don't want to be a shopper like that so it was just yeah. in my head it was a great plan in the in practice it was a mess it was just <laughs> What, okay, so maybe like double, like 14. <laughs> She's like, no, there's a number. So if it's not seven, it's 14. The number. Tell me the number and I'll do it right now. <laughs> Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, but I think that the idea of what you're talking about is still true. But really keeping an eye on how stuff can creep into our lives. And before you know it, we've just got so much to manage that we're more spending more time managing stuff than we are spending time with our people and spending time with our kids and teaching them and developing relationship with them because we're so busy trying to manage our space. So for our family, Compared to families that we live around, we live in a relatively small house. I mean, our house is 2,400 square feet. And at one point we had nine people living here. So mm -hmm. people are like, hi, I mean, like, where are you guys? Like, where's everybody sleeping? <laughs> like, how are you guys making all this work? Yeah. But I told my husband at one point, we were considering buying a bigger house just because everybody's bodies were growing, you know, as they start hitting the teen years and legs were everywhere. And we thought, man, like we could use some more space. Yeah. Um, I told him, I said, I don't, there's a couple of reasons why I don't want to move. One, I don't ever want to put us in a financial position where you have to spend more time at work than your feet are at our table. Mm. I would rather have your feet at our table because that means that you're looking in our kids' faces, you're giving them your life, you're sharing your stories, you're hearing their stories, and you can be their father. So I don't want to ever stretch us financially to a place where you have to be away from home. I'd rather have your feet at the table. Yeah. The other thing is I said, I don't ever want to buy a home that that changes the dynamic of our family where everybody has somewhere to go that they could be alone instead of us having a space where we have to interact with each other. But we're going to bump into each other in the hallway and in the kitchen and over here in the living room and sitting over here. Like we're, there's always somebody bumping into somebody because that's how we learn how to do relationships. That's how we learn how to do conversation. That's how we learn to have manners. That's how we learn to do responsibilities well. It's because we're interacting with one another. If we silo off into places, then, um, you know, as the, the word of God says, it's not good for man to be alone. And so if we start pulling away because we have the space to do so, one, it's more to manage, but two, it changes the dynamic of our family. And I really want our family to be one that's more engaged with each other. Mm -hmm. So because we've kept the house smaller, that has meant that we have to really stay on top of stuff. If nine people living in a house of 2,400 square feet all kept every piece of artwork that the kids did and every piece of um every toy that they fell in love with they never want to separate from it and if i tried to keep all of that we we would have a house full of stuff and we'd have to find somewhere else to sleep it's <laughs> like we can't stay here anymore yeah. so we do an annual time where I go through toys, closets, drawers, everything, and I'm like, pull everything out. And I want you to only grab the things that you love, that mean something to you. And as far as the clothing, the things that fit or will fit, if I've got some things that are a little bit old, a little bit bigger, and then everything else, we need to figure out if we're passing it down to a sister or if we're 
giving it to another family that has kids younger than us, mm -hmm. um, if we're donating it or if it's just trash. Right. Yeah. So, so intentional decision making. And it mm -hmm. sounds like that is a management move on your part too. Even even if it is just annually, I mean, it's enough, it's consistent enough to be annually. Mm -hmm. For other families, it could be biannually. We could go through our stuff just consistently enough, and mm -hmm. whenever that is, right? And we make decisions because all getting rid of stuff is is decision making. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about relationships too—that the the close quarters. Um, for, I don't, force isn't a good word. The, the close quarters requires us to work mm -hmm. on our relationship skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it mm -hmm. surely does. I know that happens that on the daily here. In this yeah. house. We have to learn to communicate effectively. One of the cues, I will tell you one of the cues for me on when it's time to clean out mm -hmm. is when I consistently see my kids' rooms a mess. Mm. And I say, I used to think, because this is how I grew up, if my room was a mess, my parents would say that, you know, I, I wasn't good at keeping my room clean. I was being lazy. So initially I thought, look at my kids. Like they don't appreciate all these toys we brought them and they don't appreciate the stuff they have and how good they've got it. And I thought it was them. But then I started to watch and I said, well, first of all, who bought those toys? And I was like, that, that, that'd be me. Um, and like who kept buying toys even when they had toys and be like, oh, that's me and my hubby again. And I, then I could say, well, the grandparents, but really what the grandparents bought is nothing compared to what we were buying them and supplying them with in the name of, they'll love this. This will be so fun. This will be so great. And I just realized my kids were overwhelmed. They had too much to manage. So it was not so much, sure, there's a part of being a child where you just, you know, you're not gonna keep everything pristine. But on the other hand, I had to own my part in that. And how was I oversupplying, maybe overcompensating for what I wish I had as a kid or what I think that they would really enjoy and I wanna give them that. Instead asking, what can they really enjoy? What do they have the capacity to truly enjoy? And they're not enjoying it if it's at the bottom of a, of a pile of things in a bucket, you know? Like they can't even access the thing to enjoy it. And when they finally do access it, they have to dump everything out, which means they now overwhelm themselves with all of these things that they have to put away in order to have a clean room. Mm -hmm. So I said, how can I keep the things manageable enough so that they are have the they can truly enjoy the things they have? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Gosh, that's a, that is a great question and a, a rightly convicting one at that. What am I oversupplying? Wow. Yeah, yeah, we that can easily happen in mm -hmm. our not not only in our American society, but in in a house with many children, mm -hmm. right? When you want to make sure that everyone has what they need, I'm sure, mm -hmm. right? I want to make sure each of my kids get what they need, that we have what we need. And sometimes it's just we tend to fill those holes with things rather than either time or relationship or just activities or mm -hmm conversation i mean it, it's not that it's wrong not that the adding the stuff is wrong but if we're exactly. not keeping an active eye on it mm -hmm. it can easily get to be get out of control mm -hmm. and if i slow down my purchases enough i'll make thoughtful decisions about what toys should we invest in and when i slow it down i'll usually invest in things that have longevity 
and a creativity about how you play with them, which gives them more freedom and how to interact with it. But otherwise, I'll just buy something because it's cute. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's fun. Oh, that's a great price at Target. I mean, Target is a is a get you gotcha spot, right? <laughs> Oh my we Target. This is our target right here. It's on us. <laughs> they got us. <laughs> and it's so cute. And it was so cheap. And, I, and I'm buying and buying instead of saying, slow down. Hold on. Really? Wait a minute. Like, do they even, will they even play with this? And if they will, for how long? And if it's going to be a really short time, should we purchase this? Or should we wait and save the money, the little pieces of money to buy something that has longevity that really engages them in a way that they're being creative and they're engaging maybe with their siblings more and it's not something that silos them off by themselves. Like it gives me time to think through what matters to our family and then how do I give them the tools that help them to do more of that. Mm, amen. Amen. That is the the more missional mindset. I think you're 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 talking about earlier. You know the, that intentionality of mm. let me think through what I do or what I allow into my home or into the lives and minds of my children. Um, mm. That really builds the house instead of instead of making it um, responsive. Like you said, you talked about it being you know coming at things from more of a responsive attitude. Even when it comes to buying things, I love what you said about, am I buying this for them because I'm compensating for maybe what I did not get in childhood or maybe something I really enjoyed in childhood that I want to be part of their lives. And sometimes it's a fun thing, but they won't always, you know, grab onto that like we did in this time. Um, and, and so we have to not maybe be as emotionally attached to either ideas or things that we go after as a mom and just ask, what is best for my family? right now not the family i wish we had or the family i used to have growing up well, who are we and what do we need to be doing right now yeah that's so good oh. yes oh gosh i have gosh i could talk to you all day okay i have some <laughs> really great questions okay but i wanted you to speak to the um the mom who at maybe at the beginning of the school year like we have all these great plans right mm -hmm. and maybe we buy this great curriculum and we want to be able to get through it, but then either time has shown before that we don't get all the way through it or that, oh gosh, I feel like I just gave up halfway through or it got hard or something. What do you say to the mom that gets discouraged about not finishing well, or maybe she's afraid that she won't finish well when it comes to school or, you know, really good intentions, basically. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I think that, um, my mom says all the time, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And every time she says it, it's usually right after I'm telling her about something that didn't work out or is not going to happen. Or you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And what she's really saying is that we do the best we can to make plans, but there's a bigger plan that's in place and we get to find ways to submit to that plan in spite of our best plans on paper. And um, I like to say, if you create a plan where if everything works, that plan will work, that plan will never work. And I'm gonna say that again. If you create a plan where everything must work for that plan to work, that plan will never work. Because it's more than likely somewhere in that plan, it involves other people. And <laughs> if you 
because it involves other people, <laughs> it's subject to change. <laughs> story. <laughs> and if it involves little people called children, oh, it's definitely going to change. Mm -hmm. I think there's nothing wrong with us dreaming big. Mm -hmm. That's what I like to call our plans and our goals. It's dreaming. It's we're dream big, go for it. Like what mm -hmm. ultimately do you want and what do you want to create? But the real key is hold that, that dream loosely. We create the dream and then we want to like hold on to that thing. Like we're like, ah, mm -hmm. this is how it must go. And this is how it must be. And this is the time frame it will happen in. And I think that the best thing we can do is hold that plan loosely. And the more loosely we hold it, we open ourselves up to a bigger possibility. So maybe we thought we wanted to go in this direction, but as we go in this direction, we began to see that there are these other branches off of that direction that would also be a really good direction for our family to go. What if we allow ourselves permission to follow that leading, to follow that curiosity, because maybe it's going to take us to something we didn't even know to dream for. We didn't even know to expect. And maybe that's the best place for us to go. So I say, dream big. I say, write it down, create all the plans, sketch it out, but then hold it loosely because a bigger plan might unfold before you that will take you to better places than you ever imagined. Mm. Period. It's the end of your book right there. <laughs> I don't know even again. I love that. I love that. And that is so encouraging because it's full of hope. It doesn't involve us just saying, you know, a girl just flush your dreams down the toilet because God's in charge anyway. <laughs> That's kind of a, almost a hopeless thing. Even though we, we know and love and trust God with our plans, he still wants us to use our imagination and ask for things. Right. And have a goal. You know, it's not a bad, bad thing to go after some goals, even if they're small, just like make them small. I think that's been my, my problem in the past is that my ambitions have been so grandiose mm -hmm. that I get caught up in a big fun project and it's, and it's a dream, mm -hmm. but I, I got too attached to my dream, mm -hmm. and, you know, case in point talking about change, having to change plans. I just told you before we started this interview <laughs> that this year I wanted to start Homeschool Made Simple as, mm -hmm. as a, a, a great opportunity and resource for, for the, all of these families here who are watching. And I started it and I went forward and I said, okay, I'm dreaming big. I'm doing the thing. And God was like, no, you're not right. Not right now, but, but I'll let you see how much pressure it's going to feel like before I'll let you decide to, to stop doing it, Jen. And I was like, I have to be obedient and stop because it's not for right now. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. And even having to write that out and tell my people like, you know, I'm not quitting, you know, blogging, podcasting altogether. I mean, the Lord may take that yet at some point, but you know, fullness for now, but that one big extra thing was mm -hmm. too much for me. And sometimes Moms get caught up in, okay, I'm momming and I'm homeschooling, but I also need to volunteer at my church, or I also need to keep my commitment to this person, or so-and-so asked me for help, I need to fulfill that. And it's like, do you know really? You right. know, which of the things is really necessary for right now? And that's hard. That's hard to let go of when they're good things, aren't they? That's so true. Yes. But good things can be the enemy of the best, right? Ugh. So good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And thank you so much, uh, Susan, for affirming that kind of thing. And, you know, moms like us who love to be practical, who love to find great resources and tools for things. That's why this is a resource group because we share things, but we also share grace and mm -hmm. permission. And I love all the permission you've given us today to choose the best things for us right now. So I think we, we know that maybe, but we need that reminder, especially from a mom who's been there and who's been through probably a lot of cycles of this parenting thing. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We've had a lot of plans and said had to just scratch through them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What are you so much less worried about now mm. on your 20th year of homeschooling <laughs> than you were at the beginning? Mm. I would say I'm so much less worried about the bad days. The days where we spent an hour on two math problems and in my plans, we were going to get a whole lesson done that day and we barely got two problems done. Mm -hmm. um, the days where I just didn't have the patience and um, I lost it with my kids and now I'm feeling like a terrible mom. Uh, the days where we can't seem to find the book. We can't seem to find the pencil. We can't seem to, those days where the, the washing machine breaks, the dishwasher overflows, like everything just seems to just be like, mm -hmm. in the past, those days for me, I made them mean, I'm not cut out for this. Clearly mm -hmm. I can't handle this. If I was more organized, I would have had these things prepared and ready and figured out. If I was more patient, I wouldn't have lost it with my kids and I wouldn't be in this place of feeling like a guilt, guilty and in my room sneaking chocolate and feeding my feelings. And and I wouldn't be tired if I was healthier and if I worked out and ate all organic food and like all these things. I would just make all these things, these terrible ideas of who I was as a person and my um, ability to do life well. And now that I've been out here 19 years and I'm in 20, year 20 and I posted about it on my um, Facebook page where I was like, I started out the first day of school and I was singing to my kids and I came out and I was ready to get going. And by the end of that day, I was like, if another person talks to me, I'm telling you the truth. I think I'll lose it. Like, I'm just don't. Don't let one more person talk to me. And I was like, I am sharing about this because I want women who are just starting out, who have homeschooled less years than me to see, here's a 20 year veteran who's saying, uh, this was day one, y'all. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> this was day one. And uh, look at how we started out and we just kind of took a nosedive. <laughs> But I've been out here long enough to just say, this was a rough day. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back. <laughs> Thinking, that's it. This wasn't for me. We probably should figure something else out. And I'll start going to reading websites of the private schools and public schools and just trying to figure out what they're doing, right? They're going somewhere because clearly here is not it. Now I just kind of go, ha, we had a bad day. I bet tomorrow will be better. Because anything would be better than what we just did. Okay. <laughs> it, it happens, right? And and the, the longer you do it, the more you know that it happens. Like, it's okay. It's mm -hmm. kind of like I was talking to a, um, 
um, a friend this week about public speaking and she's like, how do you get rid of the anxiety before you, you go out? And it's like, you, I don't know, I, I get it every time and I just have to do it anyway. <laughs> you, right. you just work through it and you just have to force yourself and know and believe that you're called to do this. That's right. Like, I'm supposed to get on the stage or I'm supposed to sit down and teach my six-year-old to read, try again or something, you know, just like keep trying it and keep doing it because because it's never going to be easy every day. I mean, and just maybe just knowing that it, that it happens, right? Uh, a lot of women talk about, well, I need that me too, you know, moment with another mom like me too. I go through that too. That's right. And so if the permission that we're giving moms today is to know that it is normal, that bad days happen and they're okay and you're okay and it's not a reflection on you. Yes. I remember this story someone told me about um, this little boy who wanted to learn how to ride his bike. And so the mom told the older brother, help your little brother learn how to ride the bike. So the two boys go bopping outside and they're gone. And the little, the older brother's only gone a minute. And then he comes back in and the mom was like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I thought you were going to help your little brother learn how to ride the bike. And he said, I did. I taught him the most important part. And he, she was like, okay, what was that? She said, I taught him. He said, I taught him how to fall. If you feel like you can't keep your balance, here's the proper way to fall. Here's how to catch yourself or here's how to fall safely. Mm -hmm. And as long as he knows how to fall safely, he can get back up and try again to keep his balance and he'll learn how to ride. But if he falls and hurts himself, then he won't be able to ride his bike. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what a great principle for all the different people out here, all of us out here trying new things, that if we understand how to fall, and we know how to fall well, well then everything else, we can figure that out. But if we fall and we hurt ourselves, if our plans fail and we give up on it, if we get hit a hard spot and we can't figure out how to get out, well then we'll be stuck and then we'll give up. But if we know that there will be hard days, there will be days where you won't do well, where things won't go according to plan, just shrug that off and say that was that day, tomorrow will be a new day, you can make it and you'll be able to keep going. Amen. A bad moment doesn't make you a bad mom. Oh, another good one. A bad moment does not make you a bad mom. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, Susan, tell our friends where they can find you because you've got to jump on to Susan's podcast as well, friends. I mean, add this one to your mom list right now. Go ahead, tell them. <laughs> All right. So it's the mentor, the number four moms, mentor for moms podcast. And um, I've got like close to 100 episodes over there. I've got stuff on homeschooling and marriage and kids and planning and what to do when plans don't work and just all kinds of great topics. Um, usually my conversations over there are based on things I'm reading, books that I'm reading, information that's typically used in the business world or self-help world. And I show how to apply that to the family. It's really important to me to equip moms to be able to feel confident in their role, to really affirm them and leave them in a place where they feel like, I can do this, I can so do this. And I'm like, yes, you can, let's do it together. So I look forward to you guys joining me over there. You can find everything uh, about the podcast and anything else I'm up to over at my website, which is susanc.com, that's susan, S-E-A-Y.com. All right, thank you so much for joining us, Susan. This was a, a delight. It was amazing to have you on today. and. I feel like I need to listen and watch this podcast over again for myself. <laughs> because 
<laughs> so many good nuggets here. You've been listening to the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant. That was my guest, Susan C. Be sure to visit her website and listen to her podcast. She's got so much wisdom having homeschooled for so many years, but just also having relaxed. You know, I love how that part of our conversation led into the need to just let some things go. So mama, if you're struggling today with which of the balls that you may need to drop, right? We, she said, we all have these balls in the air. Or maybe choosing to gently put them down if that feels better to you. <laughs> decide, decide, go to God in prayer today and, and ask him, Lord, what, what is it? What are you leading me to right now? To focus on and what not to focus on. I've had many seasons in my life that have really challenged me to reevaluate why I'm currently doing the things that I am doing. Sometimes the season is over. You know, sometimes it's a season to start something new and different or to switch things up or to clean things out. Only you will understand that when you come to it. But ask the Lord for wisdom and move forward confidently. Don't be afraid of the past. Don't be afraid of the future. Just move forward. This is Jennifer Bryant with the Practical Family Podcast where we are encouraging moms in real life struggles, encouraging you to discover your gifts and embrace grace.